without whom I wouldn't be here today. Do you want to see who She-Hulk really is? Oh, my identity is not a, a, a secret. This is busted. <laughs> this is the truth presented by Intelligentsia. She-Hulk does not deserve your attention. She does not deserve your praise. She does not deserve the power she stole from the Hulk. Oh my god, can she's somebody not good cut this off? She's a superhero. Oh, okay, let's. Can we stop this? And she's a slut. Can we stop it. What's up, y'all? This is Rain Coleman, back for another installment of She-Hawk in Order podcast. When you're listening to this podcast and when you're watching She-Hawk on Disney Plus or syndication or however you consume your She-Hawk media, please use that hashtag S-H-A-O-Pod. Let's get right into it. So, Season 1, Episode 8, Ribbit and Rip It. This was a very interesting freaking episode. I have a whole... <laughs> rant uh series of videos over there on tiktok so please be sure to catch me there carefree blurred same handle as it is on twitter carefree blurred man so i got a few things a few points i want to touch on this episode by far was probably my favorite now with the caveat that when i say favorite i think this in conjunction with the uh self-care retreat episode makes things my favorite like overall I really have enjoyed the She-Hulk series, and I think it doesn't deserve the amount of hate that it has received, but we already know where that stems from. But not to say that you have to like the show either, like, you can hate it and that's just fine. But with this particular episode, I I don't know it was fun. So we get this guy, well, these two guys who are robbing a mall, which... Okay, they're putting this big, like, 60, 70-inch screen TV carrying it to the back of a truck, which, may I say, is extremely far from the mall. Like, it's far where, like, it's holiday shopping time and you can only get a spot across the street. I was like, why is this van so far removed from the building itself? That makes no sense to have to walk across, but whatever, maybe it's just me. So then this guy in an all green suit comes over and kind of pushes one of the robbers and knocks him down. And I don't know if the TV broke or not, but what he said is you're, you are dealing with the guard frog as opposed to a guard dog. And his name is, what was it? Uh, Leapfrog was his name. Very odd. I'm sure he's a real character in uh, Marvel comics, but. I don't care to look it up. So uh, what's happening is he's recounting this story to Jennifer because he needs to he wants her to take him on as a client because the suit has these jet propulsion boots that he used to like get away from the robbers after they like whooped his butt and uh, they exploded. He said this suit cost X amount of dollars. It was supposed to withstand heat from like 9,000, I don't know, something, but he has like a burning and scars on his legs. And I knew exactly what we were getting at when this happened. Enter Lucas Jacobson, the tailor, the black guy who I really hope is the through line in the MCU going forward. Like the tailor who designs all of the clothes for all of the heroes. So that's where he got this suit from. And the thing that pissed me off about Jen in this episode is that you're a lawyer. I'm not. 
I grew up watching crime dramas and law procedurals and all that. And I'm not even saying that I know the best course of action when it comes to defending a client or whatever. But one thing that feels a little basic, Law 101 to me, is if I have a client who's coming in with an accusation, I may want to hear both sides. You know, like I may want to get the story. Like, did you call the police? Is there a police recording that I can listen to to kind of compare it to your story? Not if you're taking them on as a client. And let's say they are lying. You still want to be able to use what you know as the truth and the story that's being presented to try to color your client in the best light. Jennifer never once asked Lucas if what was said was true. She was concerned about not pissing Lucas off because he makes her clothes that fit for both her and She-Hulk. And I get that. But when she showed up at Lucas's shop and I was like, I'm thinking she's going to talk about, well, this is what's going on. Um, what do you know about this? This is his accusations. But it was like, no, the boss said, go and figure out a way to like make this work without going to court since you're so worried about this guy. And this silly-ass man who she's defending, she's only doing so because his father is like a huge client with the company, which, okay, whatever, I get it. It, it made for an interesting episode, but the fact that Jen went into this blindly trusting what this boy said, and boy, this is a grown-ass man, it really pissed me off, because I'm like, this is a black man who you are okay i'm no i'm gonna go there because whatever you know sjw and diversity this and that this is a black man who's providing a service for a particular sect of the community that needs that level of anonymity and the fact that you don't you've worked with him you've seen the work that he's able to do and yet you take the word of a motherfucker who even if he got the the suit from lucas is one of one at this point of someone who has an issue with lucas's clothing now i will say once we got to court jennifer did position to get the um names of all the other heroes who lucas has made clothing for because maybe this is a trend and i get that but i'm like sis you do understand he, not even him making your dress for the gala. Put that aside. He's made clothes for you before. You haven't had this issue. So, like, it felt like there's more that could have been done on her part. And to come in and I don't, and I know she was hesitant. So, I'm not saying like Jennifer's a racist who hates black people. No. But my thing is, you didn't even get his side of the story. And again, it may be, I'm not even going to say maybe a bit of a reach, but that happens all too often when it comes to black people. When dealing with authority or dealing with folks in positions of power, you, our side of the story is not heard or it's manipulated. And it's, oh, you're an angry black woman, you're an angry black man, or you're this particular stereotype. I just saw a TikTok of a black woman who is a nurse. And it was stitched by a black woman who is a nurse in like a psychiatric um, hospital or like wing of a hospital. And the joke or the, not the joke, but the the joking way the TikTok was presented was there was the original nurse who was a black woman and she was impersonating a white nurse who is demanding that these black people are um are, are um chanting and being um unruly and they need drugs and the black nurse the same nurse 
as a black nurse is saying, well, no, these black people are just reciting rap lyrics. And me, I'm not a nurse either, but this is easy enough to accept this fact because I've seen this in other aspects of my own life and other people. And then you had the stitch from the second black nurse who works in the psychiatric hospital who was saying the same thing like, yes, this happens with black people all the time, where there was even a young black woman who I don't know what her issues was, but she came in with um, she had tracks. And, you know, those of you who know, you know, those of you who don't, you know, good luck. But she had tracks in her head and the white nurse came to her asking for scissors. And she was like, well, what do you need scissors for? She was like, well, because she has tracks in her head and we have to get those out. And this and that. she was like, but why would your first thought be to go and cut? this woman's hair out like she's already dealing with mental health issues i have this horrible sense of uh esteem issues when you take scissors to her head she said and what happens after that like have you thought this through let's say you take these scissors to this woman's hair and you just start chipping away at her hair what is the next thing that happens from there and it happens so often i've experienced this my damn self all the way from childhood up to my big age now and so not sure if this was intentional regardless this is how it was perceived when i watched it and art is subjective but like you didn't even give this black man a chance to offer his side of the story somebody who has offered you aid though you had to kind of fight for it because he's exclusive he provided a service to you and i'm not even saying that he couldn't be wrong let's say that lucas was he fucked up with this one particular fit you never allowed him the chance to give you an answer like that was never in you and i was like this is fucking weird this is weird that you, i don't know I'll, I'll i'll get off of it but i was like jennifer this is stupid and again i don't know if this was intentional on the uh creative team but i don't i don't think so because that the very argument that i have was not addressed later like everything was smoothed over for one particular reason but it was never Jennifer, you didn't even ask me. It was like, you're accusing me of this thing. Why are you accusing me of this thing? I am good at my job. This person is a liar. So when they go to court, though I knew since the first time this show was announced that Daredevil was going to be on this show, I still was excited and had little goosebumps when he popped up as the lawyer. Because uh, Lucas was sitting by himself and the judge was like, will you be representing yourself? Lucas was like, no, I'm not stupid. Another thing, give me a second. Lucas is fucking adorable. He is a sassy butch queen with a heart of gold and a ruthless mouth. I freaking love him. He cut Jennifer to shreds. Something he was like working on her gala gown when she came in talking all that noise, that bullshit. And then he like ripped it up. And she was like, hey, I prepaid for that. He was like, yeah, you should have thought about that before you came in accusing me of shit. And so she said something. And he said, oh, I'm not. No, she said something about trust. He was like. I'm not trusting you after you lumbered your way in here accusing me. Like, he was very specific with his insults. And it felt a lot like Dorian Corey, a lot like Paris is Burning. Uh, it just felt very old school. I don't got to tell you you're ugly because you're already ugly. Um, what did he say when she was leaving? Uh, oh, no, no. When she was like, yeah, I already prepaid for the dress. He said, well, you should have thought about it that before you betrayed me with your uh you greasy old buffalo like he was very whoever wrote his lines st stellar because even after she left <laughs> said goodbye tragedy like yelled it across the room like that man is funny 
I like him. Um, and so they go to court, and he's like, no, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to represent myself. Matt Murdock walks in. He has the jokes. When it comes to Matt Murdock, something that I am finding, and you guys let me know. Use the hashtag S-H-A-O-P-O-D, so can order pod. Let me know. Do you feel like this version of Matt, Matt Murdock is lighter in, like, I feel like he's lighter in that way in comparison to the Netflix Matt Murdock where he doesn't feel like he's a joke, but he feels like the Marvel comedy machine like got a hold of him where he was charming. He was funny. He was interesting. Not that he wasn't those things in the Netflix series, but I felt like either because I haven't seen Daredevil in a very long time or he just genuinely was a little bit more lighthearted. This man was fun. I had a good time watching him, and um, he, um, no, no, I just, I liked him, and him and Jen, uh, Tatiana Maslany had some real good chemistry that I felt like, oh, yeah, I could see these two together, and let me know, because I'm not going to look it up, I'll just, like, come across it wherever, but has Daredevil and She-Hulk ever dated? Um, I know they fucked around in this episode, quite literally, but in the comics, everybody's been with everybody, but I can't remember if I know about She-Hulk and Matt Murdock. Let me know. Jennifer Walters, Esquire, lawyer, millennial, searching for a way to balance a career and her personal life. Then an accidental dose of gamma-radiated blood alters her body chemistry. And now, when Jennifer Walters grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. The creature is driven by rage and pursued by online trolls. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. She is provoked into a rampage that has landed her in prison, and now she is seen only for the raging spirit that dwells within her. Alright, so that finale was wild as hell. I still don't really know how I feel about it. I know with the events that happened in the previous episode, episode 8, and Jin being exposed by Intelligentsia, it... I, I'm not really happy with the show. So I think all in all, it was a good season. It was a good ending episode i think that they wrapped up things in a pretty interesting way and the this last episode was pretty much ripped from the pages of a she-hulk book that's not my issue my issue comes in with i think the kevin of it all so to put it plainly jen is uh you know in jail she's in that same superpower jail she has to um, not use her superpowers and you know, Intelligentsia has won and she is dealing with this and she's talking to the camera more and just going through dealing with the issues of her life and where she is now. And I think that she does, uh, Tatiana Maslany does a really good job with this. Uh, Hulk is not answering her calls, her texts and nothing. She is moved back in with her parents um, I think one of her neighbors was like, I don't feel comfortable with a superpowered person living next door to me. Some shit. Nikki, of course, is phenomenal as always. And my biggest issue with this show 
with this episode in particular, it's Pug. So for me, I'm willing to accept a lot of things. Jen goes back to um, the retreat, sanctuary, spa place from um, earlier in the season. And it's by Emil Blonsky's place. And while this is going on, Nikki, who received a video from Jen's mom of her in college dancing to some song with her roommates, sends it to Intelligentsia to kind of kind of infiltrate their ranks. And they're like, hey, bro, good deal. Good job on getting that video. We want to see you um, at our next shindig or whatever. And so because Nikki cannot show up as a woman, because that goes directly against everything Intelligentsia stands for, she enlists Pug, the other white guy who works in the office. Now, going through and reading through the first four or five issues of the She-Hulk comic, this really frustrated me because you have characters already established, which was um, the guy who was like the asshole who thought he was dating Megan Thee Stallion, and he's a character in the comics. And I feel like you could have just made the Pug character be him. Like, let him be an asshole, let him be a douche, be annoying, but, like, let this be one of his redeeming kind of part of his character art, his redemption character art. Pug being a conventionally attractive, fit white man and having this disdain and disgust with intelligentsia to the point where he can't even talk bad about Jen felt so weird. Um... I think John from the John Fick podcast pointed out that this man had a black scent like a few episodes ago. Like there, I guess I'm thinking, what narrative are you trying to push with this? And okay. And let me take back the white convention track. Cause like that truly doesn't matter in the context of my issue with pug pug is boring. Pug is boring. He served no purpose than to be an attractive male. And I don't know that that was the intention of the show because Nikki, and then I keep forgetting her name, the black lawyer, they were more interesting, really even more so than Jen. Like Jen, this your show, you cool and all, but you weren't nearly as charismatic as those two ladies. And I don't, I don't know. And, and you guys let me know if you are a She-Hulk fan, stands in the like, and there is a Puck character somewhere out there, which I don't think it is. Let me know. <clears throat> and let me know if he... And the show resembles that character in the comics, but I don't think that he is. uh, I think he's a new addition. Either way, this man is boring as shit. And so, again, this whole, oh, I can't say She-Hawk is um, not worthy of her powers and and a man would do better. And I... (sighs) This is shit that you should be able to do for your friend. And on top of that, it was never established that Pug is so much of a stand-up guy that he can't even say these vile evil things about his friend which are they even truly friends and also you're a lawyer not to run with that stereotype that lawyers are like soulless evil people but like you have to defend people every day even folks who may very well be guilty so now to be like oh i can't say these mean nasty things about you like what the fuck this is clearly to make sure that she's good in the end so i don't know if i want to call it lazy writing or like what the hell were y'all thinking? Let me know if you feel the same way. Use that hashtag S-H-A-L-P-Pod. Um, oh, that is not wrong. That is not right. S-H-A-O-Pod. <laughs> she hawking order pod. But like, 
I'm not making sense. Pug, even the 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 villain turned kind of sort of good guy who's at the resort, who's part of the um, wrecking crew. He was more interesting. Any one of those guys who were in that re resort, they were more interesting. Emil was more interesting. Nikki and the black lawyer, they were more interesting. Um, <clears throat> everybody on the show is more interesting than Pug. Even the guy who turns out to be the big villain or head of intelligentsia, he was more interesting than Pug. Pug was truly there as an attractive man. He had the personality of paper. Everything that he did in that episode with Nikki, she could have done on her own. Or you could have enlisted someone else. Or it would have made, I don't know, just to me, would have been more interesting with the original asshole, misogynist, um, thinky dating Megan Thee Stallion lawyer being the one who um, who teamed up with Nick because he's already an established character. But I digress. <sighs> Jen gets to a point where she goes down to the cabin at the resort to go speak to Emil. And turns out this is where they're hosted the Intelligentsia meeting. Now, for me, I thought Emil was part of it. That would have fucked me completely the fuck up. I would have been like, okay, playing the long game, this is fucking good. But no, that wasn't the case. He was just getting a quick buck by renting out this space to these red pill alpha male podcaster dudes. Uh, then, turns out, Ross, whatever that man name is, who had the fucking sweater and uh scarf in the middle of la in like june he was the leader he's the one who's behind intelligentsia which they did surprise me with that but it wasn't surprised like oh shit i can't believe it it's more or less like this is surprising because i genuinely did not consider him or even think of him because like why would i he's boring uh nikki shows up with pug they tell on everybody then titania pops through while it's all chaos and funny enough i actually thought Titania showed up to help Jen, but that wasn't the case. And that was part of the issue. Jen, like, did the She-Hawk breaking the fourth wall thing. And she goes to Marvel Studios to talk to Kevin. Um, goes into the writer's room, cuss them out, finds her way back to Kevin. And Kevin is actually a uh, robot, an android, hooked to the ceiling of this writer's room, creating whatever. What I will say is this episode of She-Hawk felt very much like the Tyler Perry episode of Atlanta this current season, I think season four. It almost felt beat for beat like the same episode to the point where I would actually like to rewatch this episode. No, actually rewatch that episode and then watch this She-Hawk episode right from the point where she walks into the cabin and catches a meal in his... Uh, in his um, mutated form. Because I feel like these are two of the same type of shows. So Kevin is this. It's not Kevin Feige. It's this thing. I don't even remember the acronym. I'm not going to care to look it up. If you've seen episodes, you know. But it's very much like a shield type um, descriptor. And she argues with the thing like, why is this my finale? What the hell is going on here? Why is Emil here? Why is Titania here? Why is Bruce here? And... She said she would love to see Daredevil again. Now, I'll say this. If nothing else good came from this season, if you one of those fanboys who hated this season, you have to admit Charlie Cox and Tatiana Maslany have chemistry. Daredevil and She-Hulk, they killed that. And they did a damn good job where it was believable. It was very much believable. And I like that they, you know, got that little thing going on. So... Jen pretty much picks up 
and it looks like I'm sorry, it's the same day because she's like, why is it nighttime? Why is all these fights at night? So they make it daytime, get rid of all that shit that didn't matter. She talks with Daredevil. They gonna fuck around. I think if I'm not mistaken, she'll be she'll end up in New York at his firm or like maybe not because they're two different properties. Maybe she'll be like somewhere in I don't know, whatever. All in all, this was a very interesting uh, final episode, and I think it was very fitting for She-Hawk. And I would love to get a season two of this show. She did a damn good job, um, Tatiana and the creative team. Um, another thing they did that was interesting was the opening of this episode. They uh, harken back to the old She-Hawk of the, was it 70s, late 70s, early 80s? Whatever that old school original She-Hawk opening was. It was so freaking good. Um, yeah, it was good. Breaking the fourth wall was good, and I like that she broke the fourth wall into the home screen of Disney+. Plus. That was another, something that I think is very interesting and is going to be fun five, ten years from now when you look back on this show, however we take the Marvel Universe from here on out, and you see that home screen, because I doubt it'll look like that forever. But um, this is really good. I, I'm a fan. I already came into it being a fan of Tatiana. I think she did an excellent job with this portrayal of She-Hulk and Jen. And the show, <laughs> I don't know, the show was just really good. It was quirky, it was different. And I think that that is like the best possible way that you could take these Marvel shows. Like WandaVision did a good job at, at bringing in something fresh and something new that people weren't expecting. And you love it or hate it you can't deny that it was something different um falcon and the winter soldier was like return to form it was just the regular stuff that mcu is known for and i think that she hawk is another benchmark that is showing the the funny interesting things that you could do with these properties um I forget that man's name who was the lead of Intelligentsia, but he looks like one of those Cole or Dylan Sprouse boys. Uh, they got him in these early 2000s trappings that make him look just terrible. I'm sure he probably looks a little bit better than that. One thing that I found even more, I'm going to say not believable, was it felt like these black folks that was in the intelligentsia were just kind of like tacked on. like, And this ain't even like, oh, more black people should have been in this show. No, it's not that. It's just, I know that we have whole tips of all, in Red Pill Alpha podcast bros of like all shades, hues, backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds and whatnot. But it just, it felt kind of like that wedding where it was just like some black people in the <laughs> background. Like, I'm glad these folks got them a check, but that's the one thing that felt very odd with this show and again i'm not even asking for more black people to be on she-hawk i think this was a fine show as it is but still very weird um i don't know y'all this is very stream of consciousness i just i enjoyed the episode i enjoyed the season overall and i liked the ending because it felt like true blood like anyone who has seen true blood that final episode that's what this felt like and Charlie Cox is actually very charming. And I don't know if I didn't know that or if I'm not remembering because the Netflix Daredevil series was so long ago and I have not revisited uh, that series. But he is very fun. And I like him with them little ugly glasses. I like him and Jen together. Like, 
this is my white Jay-Z and Beyonce. <laughs> and I do hope that we see more of them together in the future. Tell me this, y'all. Are you more excited for the movies? And not even specifically the movies we have in Phase 5, Phase 6, and such and such. Just in general, the concept of MCU movies or the concepts of MCU shows. And I ask that because I feel like with the movies, that's your big budget blockbuster. But with the shows, it's proving that you can get these more grounded and intimate stories where you can get more information throughout those, which can aid the movies at large. But I just wonder... Now that the MCU has been up and running for damn near decades now, is there one that's more favorable over the other? Also, Bruce has a son from Sakaar who has this weird like fade from the top of his hairline to the middle of his head, but then like long, luscious bob haircut to the back that's pulled up in this almost ponytail. I don't know. Clearly, they're setting up for something else could care less about it um it's an understatement to say i'm a little disillusioned with the mcu right now and it's not because they're poorly executing things but more or less like what is our end game like what are we doing what is the purpose is it just to make the money um i was on a panel this weekend at multiverse con and we discussed the state of mcu Shows, movies, and the like, the upcoming phases, things you'd like to see and whatnot. And shout out to M. Haynes. You were, uh, he was fantastic. This whole, yeah, check him out. Uh, Loose as a deuce on Twitter and Instagram. But it, I couldn't stop thinking about this episode because I'm like, as enjoyable and as quirky and fun as this was, regardless of how you feel about it, you have to acknowledge that it's something different, it's something new. Is this what we're getting going forward? Like, I don't, I'm not saying that we need to have this big end game level event every single phase or every time to build up to, but now are we just watching comics in live action form going forward? Like, you get your comics every month, get your trades every couple months. Like, is that what this is now? Um, and if that's the case, do we have any big events to work towards? Or is it just, let's get all the players on the board. Let's move things around. We have this year, Universe Year, but like how much of it really matters? Will Secret Wars change everything? Like, I guess I'm left with more questions, but it's not even necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I, I don't know. And I don't work for Marvel. I don't work for the MCU, so I wouldn't know. But I don't know, it'd be, it'd be nice to get something a little different and now i do understand you can't please everyone so even in my critiques i'm sure there's someone who loves every single thing that i found as an issue and every single thing that i love someone else might hate um but i'm i just don't have the same fire under me for mcu that i've had before not to say it won't happen again but those early shows with uh wandavision falcon like that stuff that was fun and rich and new, but you know, it is what it is. I don't run this company and this company don't run me. 
<laughs> so let me know what you guys thought about the finale and the series as a whole. Like, how do you feel about She-Hulk? Is this a show that you would like to see a season two? Um, I like it because I feel like there's a lot that you can do with her show, both in introducing characters and people. And even if it's just a one shop or you want to set up something for the future. But I also like it because she's breaking the fourth wall. And I think she's doing it in a way that Deadpool, maybe it's just because they have two different tones. So I would love to see both of them on screen breaking the fourth wall together and maybe even making it a issue between them, some fight or whatever. Um, but I do like the way that she breaks the fourth wall and I think she does it or the way they've set her up compared to how Deadpool has done in his films is a little bit better. Uh, but if she also had more time to breathe with this role, I don't know, y'all. Whatever. Stream of consciousness. This was good. This was fun. Uh, hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. TikTok, Carefree Blurred as well. If you have to email me, carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Use that hashtag S H A O pod, She Hawk and Order pod. And uh, we, let's fingers crossed for something great going forward, be it a season two or just more Tatiana as Jen and She Hawk in the MCU. Uh, so, with that being said, Y'all stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And if you happen to be turned into a hawk by getting a blood transfusion from your first cousin, please be sure to watch She-Hawk so you can make sure you don't make the same mistakes that she have because there have been a ton of them. Also, Jen was horny as hell this season. Like horny as hell. Is it me? Is it maybe, yes, she was just horny? Or is it like we're not used to seeing women in this light, more or less men? Or is it like a combination of both? Like, Jean was horny as hell. You have to admit, she was horny. <laughs> and when she got with Daredevil, they made some shit shake. But she has been on some. And I appreciate that. Because this show ain't making me horny. But, like, this, she was horny. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, y'all, I'm out of here.